Okay, James Rousseau is here today to discuss his book, Success on Your Own Terms, which is all about finding your passion and honing in on that path to success. And uh, James was a corporate executive with Chase Bank and Allstate, and now he runs a nonprofit, The Core Link Solution, that's going to help people link to their core purpose and pursue their passions. So we have a great discussion about people finding their purpose, success, working through adversity, and so much more coming right up. Welcome, uh, James Rousseau, uh, or Trig. Do you, do you prefer to be called that? That's kind of like your uh, rap name, or what? <laughs> yeah, wh- whatever works for you. J- J- James is fine. That's that's okay. totally fine. Yeah, most people in the uh, Christian hip hop industry call me Trig, and uh, yeah, sorry about that. My are you still active in that community? Are you still very much? Yeah, we we now have a Sirius XM channel, so I spend most of my time managing that. Our Holy Culture Radio. Yeah. Okay. Well, so you wrote this book about success. I, I wanted to ask you, uh, what are your kind of success influences, I guess? I know you mentioned the book. I mean, there's several quotes, but uh, Steve, Stephen Covey, Peter Drucker. Are you familiar with like Rob Dial or uh, David Goggins? I got his book right there. David Goggins. I've heard that name before. Rob Dial. I don't recall that name. No. Yeah. Check him out. He's got a podcast okay. called The Mindset Mentor. It's great. Or the, what other ones are, are were really influential to you to, to help you maybe steer you in that direction? Because it is kind of like a... I wouldn't say like a religion, but it's kind of like a community where people who are all into this kind of stuff. I'm really into success kind of books, uh, motivational, yeah. inspirational, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know, I, early on, I, I've read all kinds of books like linking on leadership and uh, seven habits of highly effective people was always like a go to book to go back to. I think the later years, it's been books like uh, Traction, EOS Entrepreneurial System, mm-hmm. a great book. Um Gosh, uh, the, the, the big accountability book by the former military gentleman, I can't remember his name, but it's a really great book where he talks about, you know, thou must be accountable. Right. And so I think, I think the influences have changed over the years, but yet there are lessons I still go back to. And then there's so many non-authors, right. When I think about people I've worked with that just emulated the kind of leadership that was impactful. So whether it was Matt Winter at the Allstate Insurance Company, he was president of Allstate Home and, um, home and auto insurance uh, at J.P. Morgan Chase, whether it was Jamie Dimon from afar. I didn't know Jamie well, but I had a few opportunities to meet him. And, uh, you know, just a list of, I once did a presentation check on leadership and it was, t- and the first page was people who influenced my leadership. And around, I had me in the middle and this kind of dial around me of names. It was at least 18, 20 names. Dang. Okay. So yeah, there is a lot. So I think that, but, but you're still following that. So if you're still reading books and, and that absolutely. Kind of, yeah. Absolutely. So um, let's talk, I think you, you don't really get to this definition until chapter 10, but let's just define success. Cause I like what you said. It was something about, um, you know, obviously some of it's so easy to point out like winning the Super Bowl or a Grammy or mm. the World series, all those kinds of things are easy. But then um, you talk about, it's interesting. I've never heard this uh, mentality about, uh, singles, because that's kind of the home run. But what about mm. having singles? So, what? Give me an example of that. Yeah, well, a single could be a stepping stone on the way to the major goal or milestone that you're after, right? And so, a lot of times when I'm talking to people about you know where they want to go, the the first part of the conversation for me, Chuck, is passion and purpose. Like, what are you really ultimately chasing? And it's always the last interview question when I'm interviewing somebody for a new role. I ask them, you know, if if you won the lottery today and won a ridiculous amount of money. 
And after you take the trips, after you buy your your family, the homes they want, even your cousin and all those folks, <laughs> give out money. What are you doing with the rest of your time? And then you go, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And I go, OK, awesome. I want you to stay right there. Tell me about that. And then they, you get them talking about it, Chuck, and you just let them talk. And you say, OK, how is that related to this job you just applied for? Like, how is that going to help? How is what you're doing now associated with that? And oftentimes it isn't. And because people feel like, well, I have to do one thing and earn income another way, which which just dives into a whole nother conversation. And so once we get settled on, okay, this is what you're really chasing. Then it's about, okay, what does the journey look like? What's the vision? And I always say, you know, think of your vision as you're on one side of the river, across that river that looks like you cannot cross it is your vision of where you think you should be going. The goals are like rocks you can jump on across the river. I consider each one of those rocks a single. Right. You don't you don't leap across the river in one great leap. You've got to hit, you know, jump on some boulders, some rocks to get across that river. Yeah. So when you ask that question to people, um, because I'm just thinking, like, I feel like I've kind of asked that question to people before. And I feel like a lot of uh, people's answers these days. And also, I mean, I used to work in the school, so I worked with a lot of young Mm. kids. And I feel like a lot of people are so lost right now. Either they don't know what they truly want to do or they'll say something like, well, I just want to watch sports all day, or I just want to watch TV. I want to do nothing. Like that really is, or play video games, whatever it is that that's like a lot of people's dreams. So is it more of a thing like, because I know you use an example in the book about this uh, uh, music producer engineer guy that you worked with that just did music stuff Mm. his whole time, but didn't really make money from that. His money was from this real estate stuff and that allowed him to work on that. So is that maybe the goal for some people is to find something that can pay the bills so that you can watch sports or play video games all day? It could be. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, be too uh, what's the word prescriptive for everyone. But mm-hmm. you know, in my conversations, I find that uh, it's a couple things. So let's use an example. So you're talking to someone, uh, you know, I really want to use my hands. I really want to build things. I love building things. Like, okay, but you're applying for a job inside of an insurance company to be a, <laughs> to be a <laughs> right to be a salesperson. Help yeah. Me. And so then a part of it is okay. So when are you going to spend time with that? Because when you talked about that, the way you lit up your facial expressions. I'm seeing endorphins release real time. I need that kind of energy in this job, right? So so we got to figure out how you do some of that part-time, weekend, nights. If we have inside of our organization Habitat for Humanity, maybe I get you involved in that. So you're spending time on a corporate sponsored thing. But I think, Chuck, as leaders, for us not to ask that question of people and figure out what that it is, no matter how off the path it may be for us, if you miss that, you miss the to me, a primary lever for um, motivating a person. Yeah. And don't you think part of it too is sometimes maybe taking a risk? Like I know, like my dad, uh, he was a very successful accountant and uh, financial planner, but when he was in college, he really loved philosophy. And now right. he's retired and he he's writing books. He's getting degrees in philo- philosophy and psychology and all this stuff. And he's spending all his time. I mean, he could just sit around and play video games or watch TV. He's got, he's right, retired, right. but he he's spending all his time studying <laughs> this. And I think back, I go, I'm thinking like if he would have pursued the philosophy and that kind of stuff, I mean, he could have been a, a professor at a college. And right, I mean, right. I think sometimes people just think, oh, well, that's just a pipe dream. I shouldn't do that. But maybe they should. Absolutely. I, I think most, most of us have laid it up and said, look, when I was a kid, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be whatever. I wanted to walk the runway. I wanted to be an athlete. I wanted to be an electrician. I wanted to be an architect. And then at some point, let's call that early teens, you get this idea implanted of you. You have to make an income. All that stuff you've been playing around with, this is what you need to do over here. And many times, well-meaning people 
That's the message they give us. And so we take off down that path and say, at some point, I'm going to come back to that thing, right? Or I may do it here and there. And you can actually reverse engineer it and say, well, if you don't take on a ton of debt, if you actually chase the formal education around that thing that you're passionate about, if it needs that, if you um, now there's so many ways to learn, uh, get mentors in that space and so on and so forth. And I'm going to use a word that is not used a lot nowadays, take on an apprenticeship with someone who already does it well to become their apprentice and grow in it. Why, why can't you go into it? Yeah. Cause I think you talked about um, having faith in your, in your gifts, your innate abilities. So how do you keep that faith and not get discouraged along the way? Because it seems like it's such an uphill battle. Like I'll just give you an example for myself. Like with the podcast, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give this five years. I'm coming up on mm, four years, but nice. I said, I'm going to give it at least five where I'm going to just try my best and see what I can do. But how do you know when it's time to maybe give up on something or it's time to move on or shift yeah. your focus? And I think it's different for, for other people. I can only answer for me and, and being a person who is trying to be faith first, for lack of better terms, right, is uh, one, one, your prayer life, right? I mean, I, I believe in prayer and not shotgun drop by prayers, but like I say that to say it to me, to slow down and pray and try to listen to what I believe God is telling me, right? And to also use the Bible to make sure it, it illuminates those things to me, part one. Part two is what you just said, actually having a plan with a duration on it that gives you a chance to breathe. And so I, I'm, I'm tremendously impatient. And so I'm the worst at this sometimes, right? Because if it doesn't work quick, I get frustrated. I want more sooner. And thank God I have a wife who always reminds me, okay, did you tell me before that most businesses don't go from being in the red to cash flow positive for at least 18 to 24 months? Yes. So, so, so why do you think it's going to be different for you? Right. If it's, <laughs> unless it's high tech and a unicorn or illegal, it takes some time to turn a dial. Right. And so uh, giving ourselves that grace to do that, I think is, is, is uh, number two. And then thirdly, I use this um, phrase in my book, having a passion point incubator, having people with you for incubating your idea. And the reason I use that language is because it makes you quickly think about eggs that aren't hatched yet. They are put in the incubator. Why? Because it keeps them the right temperature and it protects them because they're at a volatile state. They can't protect themselves. You need that in your journey. So you need people around you who are people you know, like, and trust that are going to be honest with you about what you're doing, but also going to give you encouragement and help you with self course correction, right? When things aren't necessarily going the right way. And so I think those are three things that come to mind. Absolutely. No, that's all good stuff. And yeah, your book does help out with some of that. Um, here's a question I had that uh, you, you don't really go into, I don't know if you can really explain the details with this, but just because you, you talk about your backstory and the issues mm -hmm. with your father. And I don't want I want people to buy the book, so I'm not going to give it away. <laughs> I've I worked like I said, I worked in the schools for 17 years, so I've heard a lot of stories. Mm. That one did kind of like was a jaw dropper. I was like, oh, my gosh, I was like, mm. people need to read that. But with that stuff, with that kind of baggage, whatever you want to call it, how did you not think about that stuff all the time and get hurt and upset and feel worried and sad and let it bring you down? You kind of use that and. I don't know. I don't know if you use that, but it didn't distract you from propelling you into all the success that you had. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, you're, you're kind, man. Thanks for reading the book. That's, that's really awesome. Hopefully you did the audio version or something. No, I wish <laughs> I, did you, there wasn't an audio version. There's an audio. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. should have told you. Yeah, it's oh, you sent me the, uh, the digital and I just, yeah. I just split it up into, I read it in three days. Uh, cause it was, that's awesome. No, actually I read it in two. Yeah. Because I split it into three parts. I just, I read gotcha. 75 pages, uh, a chunk and then, Sheesh. yeah. 
That's a short book. That's great, man. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, I, I, so, so one, one thing I talk about in the book is, uh, when my father passed, I was, I think 1920 ish. And my version of acting out was to try to validate myself through work, but I didn't know I was doing it. Right. Hmm. So, so because I never had his validation or never believed I had his validation, um, I felt like, you know, when I closed the casket, it was like, man, I'm closing the casket on me. I'm not, I'm not getting this. I'm not, I'm never going to get it. And I think unconsciously I was seeking it in other places. And so corporate structures allow you to seek it well, right? If you can come in, perform, get more titles, grow, so on and so forth. And then when I, I woke up and was present to it, that was another shift, right? As I'm talking to I had a counselor therapist and I'm t- we're talking about it. I'm still, I'm in my thirties. I'm still wrestling with it. And um, he helped me with some closure through some techniques. And I think I talk about that in the book. So read the book. You'll, 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 you'll learn a technique or two on closure. Uh, but I'm, you know, another 10 plus years beyond that. And I would say it still comes up. And what I try to do is think about it from perspective of uh, he was who he was, and and maybe I didn't even understand what he was giving me. Part one, part two, what what am I constantly learning from that? Right? What am I learning that hopefully I do differently? Uh, and then part three, um, I believe in God's plan. I, I totally believe that God allows you to have experience to help help you grow in different ways for the big purpose that He has for you to serve. And that's the the other thing I would encourage people to think about is as you're thinking about your passion and purpose and the core gifts and talents that you have, how are they, you know, why were they given to you? Try to answer that question. Why did you get that? Why did you get that special thing? I was liking it too. Like I said, Greg Lagain is diving off the board uh, back in the day at the Olympics. You know, how does he do a you know triple somersault turn and then go in the water with zero splash and make it look like a walk in a park as a gift, but he also had to hone the gift, but why him? Why was he given that? I think we all have to ask ourselves that question. Huh. Yeah, no, very good. So why do you think that like your path, you went the corporate route as opposed to getting into something worse, like drugs or gangs or something mm-hmm. like, you know, crime or just, you know, so many, there's so many other stories that where people go the other way, they have this bad upbringing and they just, uh, well, screw it. You know, let me, uh, I'm just going to drink a beer or smoke a mm-hmm. joint or whatever. And they just go down this dark path. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one, the Lord had a purpose for me, right? I'm going to start there. And, you know, when I look at what I'm doing today with everything we do on the, the faith side, our organization, Holy Culture, I can see where while I was probably angry in my 20s that I wasn't able to be the producer I wanted to be and be in rush producer management. We thought I had a deal. We didn't be with Flavor Unit uh, Management, Queen Latifah. We thought I had a deal and then I didn't. Uh, I saw the path that God took me to get all the corporate experience and learn how to do all these different things and now come back to the genre in a position where I can help build infrastructure for the genre. If I had come in the way I was coming in, I would have, I'm not sure I would have gotten to the same place and be as, uh, I think helpful as our organization is trying to be to the genre at large scale. And then why not the other ways? I, Look, outside of God directing me, I had I had, had some parents with some good genes. My one of the things I can say about my mother and father, they had some pretty, they had great work ethic. Mm. I had great examples of work ethic. I mean, my mom and dad, when they were together, um, not only did they work really hard, my dad was an insurance man and a pastor. My mom was a uh, legal assistant. I got a chance to, you know, I used to go down to her job and get a chance to type on the typewriter in the office, but just watch her work. And then um they took in at least five foster children that I can remember by name, right? When I was, you know, between the age of probably, I don't know, six to 12, 14-ish, right? 
And so watching them love on people uh, and bring people into our home. And then after they got divorced, my mom, I, I don't know, worked at probably two jobs. So we wouldn't have to change, you know, our living, so to speak, and still stay in the, the you know, the, the, the home we were in, all those kind of things. So I had never not seen a good work ethic. Hmm. And so maybe that, yeah, because I know you started the job and it was to get turntables or whatever. And then yes. it's just like you went down that path and then maybe yeah. you were just too busy to do all that other crap. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. that too. I definitely kept myself busy with the music stuff. Definitely. Yeah. What do you think? Um, you work these corporate jobs. Um, talk about that a little bit. You work for Chase and Allstate. Like, did you enjoy it? Like, how did you find purpose and meaning with a corporate job like that? And also, I'm curious, just how many hours a week did you oh. average in those those high level corporate positions? Oh my gosh! I mean, I'll start the last thing first. I mean, hours per week, Chuck. I mean, easily sixty to. 80, 90 sometimes. I mean, be just because you're, you know, depending on where you are and building something, right? I mean, you, you're just there. You're just in it. 60 to 80 is probably about right. Uh, you know, 12, usually 12 hour days plus weekends, 14 hour days if you needed to plus weekends. I mean, you're going through a merger uh, sometimes with some of those jobs. I mean, you just, you just are trying to do what you have to get done and you're excited about it to answer your question. You know, when I was at Chase, I was in uh, HR service delivery. I had a chance to have a team initially in New York, about 60 people, and then relocated to Delaware. We had a team of 100 or so, and then we grew to about 200. And then when we had the merger, uh, it grew again. And I think for me, it was exciting because to to your, your question around passion and purpose, it gave me a chance to mentor a lot of folks and help people grow in their careers, whether it was directly or kind of indirectly through my leadership and they, you know, they, them, them being a part of my organization and then be a part of a lot of different cross-functional teams in the company, whether it was working with the auto team and, and the home lending team while I was in credit card and us trying to figure out a go-to-market strategy and just honing new skills and impacting other people, but then also being on, you know, diversity councils and things like that that are, that are close to heart and trying to help, you know, impact people. And now some, you know, distance later from each of those jobs, some jobs at least 10 plus years you re-engage with folks that you had time with and were able to impact. And it's amazing to see their growth, right? And and feel like you were a part of that story. That's really cool. So when you when we talk about like um judging people by success, either or either good or bad, I feel like that's kind of an issue right now in the world where mm. people look down on people from their success, either by being too rich and having too much success or not having enough success and not working hard enough. Yeah. Talk about how, how do we balance that as a, as a world, I guess. I don't, I don't know how to fix this issue. Cause for me, it's like, I, it, I agree with you. I think everyone has their purpose. And as long as we're all on the same path with that, with, with trying to fulfill our purpose, like we're all kind of equal in a way, but, uh, but I think other people look at success differently. Yeah. I, I think the easiest answer to it is what God has for you is for you. I mean, full stop, what God has for you is for you. And so the um, comparison is the thief of joy, right? When we compare ourselves to other folks. And what's so interesting is uh, many times, my apologies, many times, you know, we, we forget that while we're looking at someone else that we think has it so much better than us, someone else is looking at us (laughs) that thinks we have it so much better than them. Right. I mean, Uh let's let's just be honest. I mean, we're still in one of the richest countries in the world. And we still have places where people don't have clean water or a place to sleep and not just a few people, but in mass. And so I just think, again, what God has for you is for you. I, I want to be thankful 
and have gratitude about what I've been given and be a good stewardship over it. The fact that I have a roof over my head, clothes on my back, a wife of 26 years, a son that's 31, a grandchild, uh, so on and so forth. Am I, you know, where I am relative to other folks, I I, I don't want to focus on that. Yeah. Did did you ever have that where people uh, looked at you? I mean, you're climbing this corporate ladders and then they thought they said like you sold out or like any of those kinds of issues. No, actually the opposite. When I left corporate to work on a nonprofit um, in 2018, that's probably when I got called. I got calls that were like calls of intervention. Like, how can you leave the C-suite? You're in a prime right. of your career. You have yeah. so many money-making years ahead of you. And my simple answer was I'm chasing purpose. Like, I have a purpose that God has called me to. I've been working towards it for quite some time, diligently trying to be a better saver, better steward, not buy up. Uh, to my income and uh, save. I mean, at one point we were living in this home and, and some some friends would say, man, why are you still living in that small starter, starter home or whatever it is you live in? You you can afford to do, yeah, yes. And one, if you think about it in that vignette, right? In that movie, in the movie I'm living in called Chasing Purpose, I need to squirrel away so I can I can get to that point of freedom and, and, and go work in my purpose. Hmm. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I think that, I feel like that's a problem though with a lot of people right now where they, um, I think I kind of alluded to this earlier where I just feel like a lot of people are lost. Like, do you think that's one of the biggest issues in the world? Because I mean, if you turn on the news right now, it's just this group and that group and, and the hate between each other yeah. and they're blaming this person or that person. To me, it just seems like a lot of these people are, are very lost. Like when somebody does a mass shooting or these kinds of things, like you could say it's this group or that group, but I feel like those people are just lost. Like they lost their purpose. I mean, mm. that is not anybody's purpose to hurt others. Yeah, no, I, right? I think that's, yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's some truth to that. And I think, you know, one of the things that we can do, particularly for our youth in that regard is try to have those conversations with them to help them find purpose because it's easy to, look at social media as an example and only see highlight reels. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a part of the challenge too. If all you see is the best, like, just like the example I use with Greg Laganis, I'm making the triple somersault and landed, but we didn't get to see all this practice. How many times did he do a belly flop? Right. Mm-hmm. How many times did he hurt his back? I mean, you hit that water from a hundred feet up and hit it the wrong way. That is an injury, my friends. And so uh, when you look at social media, those are the highlight reels. Most, most people don't post, you know, today I sucked. I missed three meetings. I didn't deliver the report I was supposed to. Almost got fired. Show me 10 of those posts. You're not seeing those, right? Mm -hmm. And so if that's your basis of insight, if that's what you're looking forward to, to be like that, it's an impossible task. Well, right. And I think um, that's one of the things that the guy I follow, the Rob Dial would talk about is that success is not sexy. Like if you saw what he was doing to, you know, behind the Absolutely. scenes to make his podcast and how he got to where it's not sexy. It's the same. I think you bring that up in your book with uh, like showing Walter Payton. And, you know, obviously when you watch him on, on film and, and games, it's amazing, but like right. his workout regimen is like insane, Crazy. but probably not that exciting to watch somebody work out like that for That's that right. many hours. Like to, to actually, if you followed him around, it'd probably get kind of boring. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You probably wouldn't like it. And you would ask, and you may even ask, why the heck are you doing this? Why, why, are, you, why are you running up the side of these mountains during the offseason? The team hasn't started working out yet. And Walter is running up hills of rocks all summer and whatnot. Right. And he's, he said, you know, and, and I think his answer to that question would be because I want to be better at what I do. I simply want to be better every year. 
Yeah. And isn't part of it, you're trying to sometimes obviously compete with other people, like if you're in a game, but also a lot of it with like Walter, I mean, isn't he maybe trying to compete with himself and uh, break his own records and uh, lift more weight than he did last time. And those kinds of, I feel like that's how you, it's a better way to grow is to compare it to your previous, not other people's. Absolutely. 200%, 200%. Yeah. Um, another thing that you brought up in, um, in the book was uh, talking about uh, when, with women and how they tend to shy away from asking for help. I thought that's interesting. Cause I think that's something that is kind of misconstrued a lot where they talk about women don't make as much, but the reason for that, a lot of times, if it's in the same position, it's because they're not asking for the raise or mm. uh, they don't ask for as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I, and that, you know, when I wrote the book, let me see, it was 2012, 2013. I think even more data has come out in terms of some of the inequalities and, and disparities that women have to deal with. Right. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mountain. So first of all, I just want to lay the groundwork for that and that women, not unlike other classes of people or segments better stated that uh, are not on equal footing, need help to get on equal footing. But then inside of that, the data had shown that they, they may not always ask for help. And I would say that is true for all of us. I just did a podcast episode literally two weeks ago, Chuck called, are you willing to ask for help? That was a big segment of the podcast, right? Because the data shows that most of us aren't willing. And there were eight or nine key barriers to that, starting with um, I'm a giver and maybe an overgiver. Start, you know, number two, maybe I don't trust to ask. Number three, maybe I am self-defeating before I ask, kind of self-doubt and talking to myself in words such as I don't deserve it. And the list goes on. And so there's been a lot of research on this. And I would encourage folks to look into it. If you can't think about two or three people that are co-laboring with you, co-journeying with you, you you should stop and ask, why are you not asking for help? Hmm. No, that's good advice. Um, uh, And one thing kind of to uh, piggyback on that with with women and just romantic relationships. I don't think that's something that you brought up too much in your book, but how Mm. do you think a wife or a husband can either help or hinder somebody's success. Cause that, that can sometimes make a big difference either way. Well, big, big time. You know, I, I, again, I'm tremendously blessed. You know, the Bible says when a man finds the wife, he findeth a good thing. And I believe it because <laughs> I'm living it. Uh, having someone who is again, cold journeying with you daily and that is sharing a vision with you that sometimes we use this term, right. Of a, of a shared vision. That is, I, I don't know what, what is more priceless than that. Having somebody who literally is walking with you and willing to sacrifice both of you are making sacrifices at different times to go in that same place uh versus relationships where you feel like you're kind of isolated and then you come together and maybe eat and then you're isolated and so you're not you're not doing it together and so it should feel like a family plan right versus just your plan Mm -hmm. supporting each other absolutely yeah yeah that's great stuff so yeah tell me um about uh is it the core link is that is that your uh, website? Core solution, yeah. Core solution, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that now that is a is that a nonprofit or we are a nonprofit five hundred one c three private foundation and here to uh, revitalize communities by empowering people to reach their potential. So do so you rely on donations then? Well, we uh, sort of yeah we do some donations and then we are going into grants uh, grant season right to apply for grants and such okay. to support us and we also have a holy culture radio. Uh, channel on Sirius XM and we'll use that as well to do fundraising as well as get some sponsors for some of our shows okay 15 15 shows on our channel okay so I'll put that in the show notes and then obviously people 
um, should should get the book now. Now, for some reason, I've forgotten the name of your book. Okay, <laughs> that that's okay. Success in your own terms. Six so that's what it's success in your own yeah. terms. Yeah, it's a great book. Easy read. I didn't know there was an audible version. Uh, I would have done that because I always I'll listen to those on double speed or time and a yeah. half. I can get through it really fast. But yeah, easy read. Good stuff. Uh, really enjoyed it. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Chuck. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Great conversation with James. Make sure to check out his book, Success on Your Own Terms. Check out his website, The Core Link Solution, in the show notes, and follow him on social media. You can support the show the same way. Follow us on social media, like, share, comment, all that good stuff. If you want to go above and beyond, I'd love a rating, a review, and make sure you subscribe wherever you watch or listen. I appreciate all your support for the show, and my guests appreciate your support as well. Have a great rest of your day. Shoot for the moon. Shoot for the moon.